0: Well, hello, everybody, man. Welcome today. I tell you what, Baptism Sunday always just gets me fired up. So I want to start out and I just want to say welcome to everybody who is here, whether you're in person here in Theater One, over in Theater Two, or online or at our Branchville campus. We love you guys. And uh, guys, this is an exciting Sunday. Not only did we get a chance to uh, celebrate baptisms, but we also have some baptisms that we're going to be celebrating after service as well. And I want to say this, just like Chris said, if you're thinking about that, if you're thinking about taking that next step, I want you to just settle in and, and listen to what God may be telling you right now. And don't hesitate. If he's telling you to take that step today, be ready after service to jump in with us. Now, we're in week four of our Me and God Alone series. It's, it's been a great series. We've looked out uh, at Job, at Joseph, last week, Gideon and this week Joshua and we're asking the question what do we do when we're inadequate what do we do when it's just me and God and I'm not up for the task and this week we're looking at the story of Joshua and you know a lot of stories most stories start at at the beginning our story today it starts right here
1: I don't know if I can do this this isn't how this was supposed to go Why does God want me to replace Moses? He was supposed to lead us to the promised land. I'm just a soldier, not the leader of the Israelites. Moses led from the Egyptians. God did miracle after miracle through Moses. He got to see God face to face. I'm not even half the man Moses was. Now I have to finish what he started. How can I lead them when Moses couldn't even finish the job? I'm not qualified for this, but God still called me. God has promised that he will lead us and protect us as long as we follow him. I hope I can do this.
0: I hope I can do this. Have you ever said that phrase maybe just in your head or out loud to a friend you've, you've confessed, like, I'm not enough? Have you maybe said that today? Maybe that's what you're sitting in right now. Well, I want you to know that, that you're in good company because we're going to be looking at the life of a guy named Joshua today. And Joshua's one of the giants of faith. Like, if you're a believer in Jesus, it's in big part because of Joshua but Joshua didn't have an easy task. Like Joshua took over after this guy named Moses and Moses was like most everybody in the world has heard about Moses, not everybody's heard about Joshua. So following after that big of a personality that's is pretty tough. Now, the book of Joshua, it talks about how the Israelites went in and did what was called the conquest of Canaan, or going and conquering the land, the promised land that God had promised to generation upon generation upon generation of people, that they would enter into a land that was going to be full. It says it was overflowing with milk and honey. It was full of provision, but it also was a place of peace and rest it was a place that god had given them as an inheritance yet for hundreds of years no one had actually been able to take hold of this inheritance and joshua he's the guy who's going to go and conquer it for him it's a pretty big task now, the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is a really great book. It's, about, it's not about 24 chapters. It is 24 chapters. But if you want to go and read that this week, because it reads like a, I mean, it's a great story of God's provision, but it's also a great story. I mean, it's got battles in it. It's got uh, overwhelming odds that are overcome through God and through showing up in battle. It's got espionage. It's got a little bit of spiciness over here. It's got failure. It's got overwhelming odds where you're looking and you think there's no way they're going to do this, but then God steps in and wins the day. Joshua is known as this great leader who conquers the land, and it's awesome. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, "Uh, Dave, I'm not like a four-star general here. I don't know if we're like going to go cross the Ohio River and overtake Henderson or something, go over to God's country. It's not what we're doing. But here's the crazy thing. Like... What Joshua's life was and his story has direct significance for us. Here's a little, little tidbit that always gets me kind of excited. But Joshua, his, his name was, Joshua was, was the name that, that Moses called him. It was actually Yeshua, which in the Greek is Jesus. Joshua was the, the first Jesus who crossed the river into the promised land. He crossed into a literal promised land, a literal land flowing with milk and honey where he was, had everything he needed and was full of rest and peace. Jesus took a step into the Jordan River to be baptized to usher in our spiritual promised land, our inheritance, where we can experience God's provision, God's best, his peace, and his rest for us. And therefore, Joshua's life has huge significance on you and me today as we look at how do I step into what God has for me because there are plenty of times when I'm looking at what is in front of me and I realize I am nowhere near enough for the task. Well, you're in good company today. Now, one of the things that we look at Joshua that I mentioned is like most stories, they start at the beginning. Well, the book of Joshua starts over halfway through Joshua's life. And so, to get some context, we're going to start in Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. So, you can go ahead and pull up your phone or pull out your Bible, go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. But just know we're going to dive back in and we're going to look at the story before the story. It's kind of like a Star Wars trilogy. You kind of jumped out in the middle, but then you got to go back and learn the rest of the story but to understand this part. It's the same thing. God did it first, not Star Wars, okay? All right, so pull up Joshua 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 1, and let's follow along with me. We're going to pull out some perspectives out of the word today. Joshua 1 says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. And therefore, the time has come for you, you, to lead the people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. And the book starts out kind of with a bang. Guess what? Moses is dead. He's gone. He's gone. Out of here. Now, he was 120, okay? So they kind of saw it coming. But still, when the day comes, it's like all of a sudden, Joshua, you're the guy. All right, you're the one who's going to take hundreds of years of promises and actually deliver on them. No pressure, right? Hmm, yeah, you've been there, I'm sure. Well, here's one of the crazy things I mentioned. It's like If you just read the book of Joshua, you would miss out on the lion's share of what actually made Joshua ready for Joshua chapter 1 and God saying, okay, you're the guy. And so the first thing that we want to start out today, and I want you to just get your head framing the right perspective, is that your story doesn't start today. Every day before this was leading up to this day, and therefore each day we are here, we need to see every day as preparation. We need to see every day as preparation for something. Mark Twain said, Mark Twain said that biographies are just the, the clothes and the buttons of a man. The real biography of the man himself can never be written. Think about that. If we just read the book of Joshua, we would get a snapshot of what he did and what what God did through him, but we would absolutely miss the 40 years in the desert where God was training him and preparing Joshua for that day. We would miss the 15 or 20 years that Joshua was in Egypt as a young man growing up under slavery. If we don't see those things, then Joshua 1 Joshua 1 what well, never happens. It's like our baptisms that we had a little bit ago. We had Sharon and, and Kim and, and uh, I mean, everybody there. I, I, the crazy thing is if you see this one moment, if you just look at the moment of baptism, you'd be like, their life is awesome. Look, when they come out of the tub, everybody cheers. Like uh, Nobody does it at my house when I get out of the shower. Like, but here's the thing. Every day before today was preparing them for Today. And today, he's preparing them for tomorrow. And Joshua's story, your story, is the very same. God doesn't waste any days in our life. Now, one of the things that we have to do to look at Joshua's life is we get to go back and look at Moses' life. And we get to see how God kind of sprinkles in a little bit of Joshua where most people, when they read the Bible, I did this. When you read, you kind of gloss over where he shows up, but where he shows up is not an accident. It's actually God preparing him for what he's about to do in Joshua 1. So a couple examples of that. Going back into the life of Moses, we see in Exodus 17, we see that Joshua was the very first military leader of Israel. He's the first general getting it done on the battlefield. They're one month out of of Egypt going towards the Promised Land. They're just a bunch of slaves who've never fought a battle and this group comes in and attacks him. And Moses says, hey, Joshua, hey, Joshua, go get him. Go get him. And what does Joshua do? He raises up man and he goes and defeats the Amalekite army. He's the first military leader in Israel. Fast forward a little bit. They're heading off. They, they go to Mount Sinai where God, where God gives the Ten Commandments. And they head towards the Promised Land. And they're just on the southern border of the Promised Land, of the land of Canaan. And in Numbers 13, we see that, that God tells Moses, send 12 men into the land the promised land, to scout it out, to see the people, the fortifications, but also to look at the agriculture, look how fertile the fields are, look how great the produce is, and look how good the land is going to be. And these 12 spies go out, and they come back after 40 days, covering about 150 miles, they come back, they come back, and Joshua and Caleb come, and they say, hey, look, guys, man, this land is great. We're going to do awesome. Ten of the spies come back, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, the land is great, but the people are big, and the cities are strong. We're going to get squashed. And Joshua and Caleb are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God said he'd take care of the people. He said it's our job to go to the land. And the crazy thing is the people followed the ten spies, and because of that, that's why The people of Israel had to go wander around the desert for 40 years. And God said this. He said, because you didn't trust me, Joshua and Caleb, you're going to be the only two men from your generation and above who enter the promised land. So at Joshua 1.1, a little bit of context, the two oldest dudes in the people of Israel are Joshua and Caleb. They're the long beards of the place. Everybody's looking to them. But Joshua spent 40 years serving Moses, kind of doing it, you know, serving him, making sure he has what he needs, but God's been preparing him all along the way. One of the craziest small little details is it says that Joshua was the firstborn son of Nun, and he was in Egypt during the time of slavery, and one of the little things that kind of really strikes your brain and makes, you, makes your head kind of hurt a little bit when you think about it is Joshua was one of the firstborns, which mean his family... When the 10th plague was handed out into Egypt, his family had to trust that when God said to mark your doorpost so the angel of death would pass over, they had to sit all night long praying that God could be trusted. I don't know if you've ever been in the darkest of night where all you have is God and you're hoping you make it to the day, but Joshua, he knew very clearly what that was because his life was on the line that day. God has been preparing Joshua. He's been putting him in positions, but he's also been showing Joshua that he's preparing him for something. And we see that in Exodus 17, Exodus 17, verse 13 and 14, in the battle with the Amalekites, we see this. It says, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of of Amalek in battle. And after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it to Joshua that I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Now, why in the world? Like, that's awesome that God showed up. That's awesome because that battle, Moses had to leave his arms up, so people came and held his arms up. And every time he'd have his arms up, Joshua would continue to advance and take over the army. But it wasn't just about that. God made very clear, you need to tell Joshua this so that Joshua would know that, yes, he showed up for the battle, but who did the fighting? God did. I am so thankful today that when I show up where God wants me to be, God does the fighting for the battles that he's asked me to step into, and we can take hold of that every day. And Joshua, Joshua is proof of that. Now Joshua didn't get a chance to just see things in hindsight, because we all know hindsight's 20-20. There were times in Joshua's kind of grooming where God was preparing him, where God gave him a chance to see what was coming before it came. And we see that in Exodus chapter 24. It says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I've inscribed the instructions and the commands so you can teach the people. These are the 10 commandments that Moses goes and gets from God. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Now, this little detail that Joshua accompanied Moses is often missed, but the fact of the matter is Joshua saddled up and said, I'm serving Moses. I'm doing whatever he needs, and God put him in positions to see ahead of time what he was doing, and that's huge. When we see God that he's preparing us, we begin to see things that are coming down the line for us. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's good to see, but in this instance... Joshua, through his service of Moses, it put him right in the position to hear from God what he was doing for the people of God. So each and every day, God is preparing us for tomorrow. If you can't see that, maybe you feel like you're in a great spot. Maybe God is using you or needs you to be preparing someone else for their tomorrow. Now, every day is for preparation, and that's that's something that I can kind of get a hold of. Like, okay, all right, I'm getting groomed for something. I've had hard days that make other days seem not so hard. You've probably seen that too. So it's one thing to, to trust that every day is in preparation. It's a whole nother thing to trust the one who's, who's doing the preparing. And for that, we need to make sure that we are always trusting in God's word. We need to make sure that we trust God's word in the preparing I don't know about you, but I love uh, going out and grabbing lunches with people. I, I got a chance this past week to go out and grab lunch with just buddies. And we, there's like no agenda. You just get to go and catch up. And those are my favorite lunches where you can just relax, kind of let your hair down, and just enjoy a good meal, right? Well, this past week, I was uh, downtown at one of my favorite restaurants. Shout out, Jeff. You guys are awesome. We were out back eating. And my buddy's sitting. You've done this unless I just have no attention span, but like my buddy's right here, and I looked right past his head, and there was a couple having, having lunch. They were in business attire, and what I noticed just jumped out at me is they were both like rigid and like measured and guarded, and everything was very short answers, like, yes, I agree. We can do that. What do you think about this? It's very like very short back and forth, and they were very kind of controlled, and that stood out to me. It didn't It didn't stand out as much until I noticed the, the couple who was having lunch kind of back off at 7 o'clock right here. They were having the time of their life. They were sitting there and they were like, Hey, what's up? Oh, oh, that's so cute. Oh, they're doing that. Like They were totally relaxed and just enjoying the conversation. And I noticed the difference. The couple behind my buddy, there was something about the trust level between the two of them. One of them, I couldn't tell which one, didn't want to say the wrong thing and throw whatever was going on off track. The couple over here, oh, man, they trusted each other. They were sharing everything. Man, they were loving their lunch. And that's, that's really hard because sometimes when we're sitting across a table and it's just you and God, we've got to trust the person on the other side of the table. Now, when we do that, we can see that uh, we're open and honest with the person that we trust. I trust Sandy, like my wife, Sandy. Like she knows all the crazy things that go in my head. Like I can share the things and she just is very honest and she's like, that's stupid. She just tells me. And here's the thing like I trust her with, with we've known each other for 21 years, been married 14. Like I trust her with everything in here. I've got pretty well all of it out. Now here's the thing. Now be honest, the reason why I trust her because not only did I marry up, but now that I'm married and she's like, she's stuck. I can tell her anything and she can't tell anybody because then it makes her look stupid. It's a good deal for me, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. When you trust someone, you're able to just open up and share with them. But it takes time. It takes time spent with someone or something in order to, to, to trust them. And we see that Joshua was able to be brought in early on and watch how Moses trusted God so that he also could trust God. And we see this in Exodus, uh, chapter 33, verse 11. It says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. It's not guarded and measured. It's leaning in. It's sharing what's hard, what's easy, what's exciting. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp where all the people of Israel were, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of none, would remain behind in the tent of meeting where God's presence was. So not only did, God, did Joshua get to see Moses interact, interact with God as a friend, he got to stay there with him also. And that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool detail because there's two things that happens when you spend time with someone, when you spend time especially with God. Two things. One, he began to know the voice of God. And you say, okay, that's pretty obvious, but trust me, that's not obvious because when you haven't heard the voice of God before, you don't know the voice of God. Even the prophet Samuel, when he was a kid, God's trying to call out to him. It takes him three times and someone else telling him that's God talking to him for him to realize God's voice. And so in that tent of meeting, Joshua began to know God's voice. And the second thing is he began to trust God that when he said something, he he was going to act Now, why is that important? Knowing the voice and trusting it are two different things. Let me just, so I mentioned Sandy and I have been married, you know, 14 years, and I'm just gonna be honest, we've had a season where there's been some trust lost. I'm just being honest, okay? And it's all on my part, totally on me, like my actions alone. I take full responsibility. Sandy, I love you if you're watching this later. Like, okay. I'm sorry for what I'm about to share. Uh, But, anyways, that's what happens when you marry me. Uh, So, about a month ago, uh, I'm standing at home, Sandy's at work, and it's at night, and I, when I'm hungry, don't, things don't, like, good things don't happen when I'm hungry, okay? You know what it's like. So I go to the pantry, and I open up the pantry, and I'm surveying all of the provisions that we have, and I'm looking at them. I'm looking at the cereals, or lack thereof, the chips, or lack thereof, the lack of spaghetti sauce, the lack of pizza sauce for the homemade pizzas. Then I go to the fridge, because I'm still hungry. I go to the fridge, and I open up, and I realize my breakfast in the morning is eggs, and they're are no eggs. I like popcorn, and I like real butter on my popcorn. There's no butter, okay? There's a problem. One of my boys loves waffles. I look, and there's no waffles, okay? You've been there, guys, okay? You can relate. Now, here's the problem. I took it to another level. I texted Sandy and said, hey, I know you're working late, but I need you to stop at the store on the way home, and so I sent her a list, Cheerios, Frosted Mini Wheats, waffles, butter, (laughs) eggs, milk, and she texts back and said, we have those things, I'm like, I'm standing right here. We don't have those things. They must be in your car, right? She says no. Fast forward a couple hours, she gets home. It's amazing what happens when your wife comes in without any groceries, and she can open the door, and they're there. It's amazing. It's totally amazing. Waffles appeared in the freezer. Butter. Not just one cube of butter. Three cubes of butter. Appeared. It's amazing because Sandy knew I was texting her, but she absolutely did not trust what I was texting her at all. The real problem was I forgot we had butter, and I went and bought more butter the next day, okay? So, guys, you've been there. Don't judge. You have to trust who's texting you, and you also have to trust that they're not off the rocker, right? That's the same thing with God because sometimes... God says some crazy stuff, right? So that's why it's important to know his voice and trust what he's saying, because here's the thing. Let's look at what he tells Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 3 through 7. "'I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land that I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, Euphrates, Mediterranean Sea, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live.'" For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to your ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. How many did they say? Some? A couple? All the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate them either to the right or the left, and then, only then, will you be successful in everything you do. That's pretty big. If God tells you that and you don't trust him, guess what you're not going to do? Go jump in front of the Amalekite army and go, ha, I got you. You're not going to do that because you're going to be like, I think God's coming. I think he's coming. Uh Uh-uh. Joshua not only knew his voice, but he trusted that when God said he was going to act, he was going to act. For a lot of us, we feel God tug at us to do something or step up in some way, to do something that gets out of our comfort zone, and we know his voice, but we don't really trust that what he says is going to play out. That plays out in a lot of areas in our life, whether that's sharing your faith with a friend at school or at, on, the, on your track team or your football team or your office or the factory line you work on. Like we don't trust that, that his word will not return void as he promises, so we don't do it. God tells us to test him in our finances. If we want a home that runs soundly financially, we're supposed to trust him with 10% of our income, and he's going to make that 90% go farther than we can ever do with 100%. He tells us to test him in that, and he's going to pour open the storehouses. But do we actually trust him? We hear what he's saying, but do we actually trust him with that? We trust him that when he says to come and to, and to serve someone, It's a good thing to do. You should be a good person, but we don't trust him that life change is going to happen when we step out. And that's why we have to recognize the two truths, that we have to be prepared and we have to trust him. Because here's the thing, Stephen Furtick Furtick says it it really well. He says, it's so so easy to recognize truth when you're not living intention. It's one thing for me to stand up here and just tell you what God's word says. It's another thing when you're standing in front of that person you don't want to talk to and to remember what God's word says. It's one thing for God to tell you, I'm going to be with you. Nobody's going to stand against you. And then to be standing in front of people who want to stand against you. You have to spend time in preparation, hearing God's word and trusting his voice to be ready when the proverbial stuff hits the fan so that you don't lose your mind and you trust in the one who knows where you're going. There are so many promises in Scripture that we miss out on because we just know the voice and we don't trust what he says. One of my favorite ones is found in John chapter 14, verse 12. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works, because I am going to the Father. I don't know if you caught that, like... You're going to do the same works that Jesus has done and even greater. I don't know if you know this. If you remember, like Jesus like, spit in dirt, rubbed it on a dude's eyes, and he could see. If I did that, I think I'd get my head knocked off by a blind dude. <laughs> but Jesus said, me, who has no business in a medical practice whatsoever, I can heal people. I can bring life change through Jesus. The problem is, do I actually trust him to do it? In your lives, in your marriages, in your relationships, in your singleness, wherever you are. Like, do you trust that when God says, trust me with what I say is right and true for your life, do you actually trust me? Do you? Joshua would say, if you don't, you're missing out on so much potential for your life. If we see that God's preparing us every day and we trust His word, my favorite part is this next part, and it's often what we miss. But we, as leaders, we have to lead. We have to lead with faith and action. It's not lead with faith, not lead with action. Both of those separate are not good by themselves. You have to lead with faith and action. What I love about Joshua's character is Joshua 1.1. 1, 1, God comes and says, all right, 40 years you've been wandering the wilderness. Now head over to the promised land. Joshua doesn't like pass it off to committee. He doesn't sit there, put it on the back burner for a while. Think about it. He doesn't leave it for like fourth quarter, 2021. He turns around to his generals and he says, all right, guys, three days we're going. 40 years we've been waiting, three days we're going. That's a dude who just like, he knows God's word, he trusts when he says he's going to be there, so he moves. I don't know about you, but uh, I love it when I think of like good things coming down the pipe. Been wandering for 40 years, and now I'm going to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. right? They've been living in the desert off quail and manna, like quail and Pop-Tarts. That was their whole diet for 40 years. And now they're looking and they're like, wow, we are going to go to the promised land. They just got to cross this little river, 100, 150 feet wide, 15 feet deep, really fast water, but God says we're going to get there, and there's anticipation. It's like, okay, three days we're going. Imagine it's like you're going to Disney, Right? Say some of you, like, maybe we're taking our kids to Disney. What do you do? Like two weeks out, you take a postcard, you put it up on the mirror, and you're like, hey, look, kids, this is where we're going. Going to be here in two weeks. One week out, some of you type A people are already packed. And you're like, hey, kids, like, don't touch the suitcase. It's already packed. Like You're ready to go. There's anticipation. Three days, you're like, kids, we're going in three days. Then The night before, you're like, all right, guys, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm so excited. Like There's anticipation about what's coming down the pipe. That promise that you know in tomorrow you're going to be in Disney. The other side may also be true for the people with Joshua. 40 years of actually maybe wandering the wilderness, but there's, there's been no worries. Like, we always had food. God was always there at the day and then to, to guide us at night to protect us. That river is, and that river's fast. I can't swim. How are we getting over there? And that anticipation, it can be crippling sometimes. It maybe feels us, makes us feel inadequate. Like, God, you're asking me to do something that I'm not qualified to do. Maybe for some of us, like five days down the road, you're thinking, okay, like I've at work, I've got to have a report in in five days that doesn't make my branch look good. I don't really want to go there. Maybe in four days, the kids go to, to her house and I'm, I'm alone. Maybe in three days, the, your divorce is final. Maybe tomorrow morning is is the surgery. And there's anticipation of the unknown and how we get there. That anticipation is what paralyzes us with fear. And if we're not prepared, we will not move in faith, in action. The day before The people of Israel head over to the promised land. There's no plans for boats, no plan for a bridge to get across the river, not even like floaties handing out to everybody who cannot swim, like there's nothing. And Joshua gets everybody together, and he's like giving this pep talk, and he's like, all right, guys, tomorrow we're going. And I love what he says in chapter 3. He says, hey, look. You just need to follow the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. Follow God. And I love what he says in verse 4. It says, since you've never traveled this way before, he will guide you. And then after that, in verse 5 in chapter 3, he says, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And the people are like, yes, do great wonders. I'm ready to go. And they show up first thing in the morning. And everybody kind of comes right up to the water and they're like, yeah, where's the water going? It's still flying right by. And they're like, I want to get over there. But the water is still here. No miracle. No great wonder. Until the priests who were carrying God's presence took a step into the water up to their shins. And only then when they took that step into the water that God had called them into, they looked down and the water that was shin high became ankle high, ankle high and then then toe high, and then it became dry ground, and the people of God went across the riverbed on dry ground into the land that God had promised that they were going to go to, but if they had stepped on this side of the river and just waited for God to act, it would have still been a Russian river, river today, and Israel would have been on the other side of the Jordan River. But that's not what God had planned for them. Ryan, Paula, you guys go ahead and come on up. I don't know where you are in your preparations. I don't know where God's got you. I know everybody's in a different spot But I came here today as I'm praying over this message this week. God told me, hey, you need to come here today and let everybody in the sound of my voice know that you are the leader that's called to lead someone somehow to the promised land. Not to Israel, but to your promised land, what God has for you, the inheritance that he has for you, which is his provision, his presence, and his rest from the toil, from trying to make ends meet here in this world. God says, come over here. I'm waiting for you. I just need you to act because I will be with you wherever you go. But you, me, we have to be strong and courageous as we go. And you say, Dave, I'm not a leader. I don't have anything that I'm leading. Hooey. No. I don't believe that one bit. Wherever you are, God has put you there for a reason. I guarantee you that because today, He is preparing you for tomorrow. I don't know what that is, but I know that today, He's got a plan for it. And I know that we take a step and we understand that God's been preparing us our entire life, whether that's five years, 10 years, or 75 years, whatever it is, God's been preparing you for today so that you are ready to lead. And He says, Be strong and courageous. And he says, I will be with you wherever you go. Each of us have a next step that's different. If you've been a believer all this time, I want you to, I'm going to be praying for you here in a second, but maybe you have been paralyzed. Maybe you know Jesus. You see the promised land. You see what's on the other side. You're just like, ah, I can't swim. I don't have my water wings. I want you to take that step and just say, all right, Jesus, I know you're calling me over here and I'm going to take a step towards you. Maybe you're here today, and you don't know this God that we're talking about. Maybe this is your first time ever hearing about Jesus, Joshua, Joshua, Yeshua, all that stuff is confusing. Just hear me right now. I want you to know Jesus in a very real way today. So wherever we are here in this room online. I want everybody to go ahead and bow our heads. I want to just bow our heads and close our eyes because this this is, guys, what's called a holy moment where we are opening ourselves up and we say, God, I trust you with whatever's going on inside. God, I trust you and I want you to speak to me today. And if you don't know Jesus, I want you to hear me. The God who created the universe loves you. He's here for you and he only wants you to step towards him and to accept him today so that you can get on the other side of the raging river and you can see that he is good and he has a plan and a purpose for your life and all you need to do today is to accept him. And so here in theater one, theater two, if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus for the first time and take that step, I want you to raise your hand right now. Nobody is looking around. We just want to know that you are here and Jesus is ready for you. Nobody's looking, just me and Polly and, and Ryan. This will be the best decision you've ever made. I promise you that. Theater 2, we see you. We're here. One of the blessings that we have right now is we have the baptism waters already. And for those of you, maybe you know Jesus or you've just met him today and you want to take that next step of baptism, I want to encourage you, come on down front. Like Chris said, you can get janky for Jesus today. We'll get you in the water. And trust me, this will be the step that prepares you for tomorrow and for God to do amazing things in you. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want everybody to pray out loud with me. If you don't pray out loud with me, I will stop, and we will, I will come down and sit next to somebody, and we will pray together, I promise. But, guys, this is exciting as people accept Jesus for the first time. So everybody here, pray with me now. Say, Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. God, I need you to be strong for me. And today I will follow you for the rest of my days. God, thank you for saving me. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.